Welcome to Four Game Changers for Black Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, EJ Mayers, here with Ross D. And we're here to propel black entrepreneurship forward by sharing wisdom from the top down that changes the game from the inside out. Four Game Changers is more than a podcast. It's a community where successful black entrepreneurs and luminaries share their wisdom with our tribe of up and coming black entrepreneurs. So if that's you, I'm talking about black entrepreneurs anywhere around the globe. Tune in and show up because this shows for you. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Today on your episode of Four Game Changers, we have Rick Mathis, CEO and partner of Studio House Atlanta. He is the 2017 recipient of former President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award. He is also the producer of the provocative documentaries Black Friday and What Legacy Will You Leave? Starring Hill Harper, Malcolm Jamal Warner, Judge Glenda Hatchett, David Banner, Cynthia Bailey, and more. Crazy thing is the last time we really sat down and talked, we were um, we were actually with a group of black professionals on top of the, I think it was Chichen Itza pyramids in Mexico. And we were actually driving through Mexico trying to find these pyramids and we found them and we had like a blast. But um, that's a whole nother entire conversation in itself. You can actually check that out on the documentary Black Friday, too. So, uh, Rick, man, I admire how you turned your skill set into a powerful resource for educating our people about black wealth. And uh, that is literally what Get for Game Changers is about. So let's get into it. Let's dive right in. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me, man. Man, thanks so much for coming. Like, man, it's rare that that man we can have somebody who has done so much for our people, like in the room, man, discussing you know a topic like black entrepreneurship and supporting black owned businesses, man. So thanks, man. Thank you for coming out. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Okay, excited to share the information with the people. That's what I'm talking about, man. Man, we want to learn more about you. Where, like, where are you from originally, man? And 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 you know what brought you to Atlanta? If you're not from the A, well, you know, I always say I'm from where you go to high school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where you have your most memorable moments. You learn how to drive. You go to the prom. You fall in love. Indeed. You know. Then you go to college. So, mm-hmm. uh, from Atlanta, I went to Frederick Douglass High School. I'm an Astro. Oh wow! Shout out to all my Astros. Shout out to the Astros. But I was born in South Georgia. I was born in Valdosta. I moved to Atlanta when I was about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom packed up and, you know, we headed up here. So moved to Atlanta and, um, you know, started figuring out things from there, man. So Okay. We got a lot of family, like a lot of our good partners from Valdosta, Georgia, That's, man. Okay, okay. There's a lot of good stock over there, okay. man. A lot of, you well, know, Well, you know, they call us people. you know. Yeah. We the winningest football team in, in the country. <laughs> All us come out yeah. of Valdosta, man. Really, <laughs> exactly. man. Some of the best athletes I know. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, all of my partners that come out of Valdosta area are yeah. athletes, man. Yeah. Uh, from the from you know football, yeah, Georgia Southern over there. Don't mm-hmm. kill it. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you came here to the A. You know, mm-hmm. uh, went to high school here. Did you go to college here as well? I uh, went to Fort Valley State. Okay. And then went to Georgia State. So, yes, I did go to college here. Okay. Okay. Uh, Is that where you picked up your gifts and your talents in, in terms of, um, I, I guess, the, the film industry and, and directing? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you're in college, you're really trying to find yourself. So, yeah. when I first went to college, you know, I started writing poetry. Um, had the opportunity to work with a lot of poets that was on HBO's Their Poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed some of them. And one of them in particular uh, went on to win a Peabody Award, a Tony Award, wow. and a, uh, what's the other one? Peabody told me and an Emmy Award. Wow. It was a trifecta. So mm-hmm. um, who after is this? that, the artist that I worked with, yeah. it was a young lady by the name of Georgia Me. Georgia Me. Yeah, Tamika okay. Harper, a.k.a. Georgia Me. She's like a prolific poet. Wow. So uh, she's been on Deaf Poetry several times, went on uh, Deaf Poetry on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, took the show on the road and uh, toured it international everywhere from London to um, India to some parts of Africa wow. and then uh, back to the States. So like, how did you become her manager? And well, whole- I was, yeah, I was yeah. in school at Georgia state mm-hmm. and I was studying music management. 
So a lot of my friends were like, oh, you going to school to be music manager? You want to be my manager? You want to be my manager? (laughs) So everybody wanted me to be their manager. And so, you know, I took on a few people. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, you know, some were successful and some weren't. So you you went to school for music management. You were managing the poets. Mm -hmm. You also had musicians in your roster as well. Had some hip-hop artists and uh, people of that sort, yeah. Okay, okay. So... I guess in the evolution of that, you know, now you're tapped in, you're you you've connected to a national brand. We talking about mm-hmm. Russell Simmons. Yeah. Like, man, yeah. how did how did you plug in with <laughs> Man, I mean, you know, it when when I was in college, I was pretty much trying everything. I mean, I was uh the college rep for Def Jam, I interned mm-hmm. at Interscope Records uh with a guy by the name of Joe Lewis who's a legend, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. that's in radio promotion definitely know Papa Joe, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, met some cool people, man, that along the way, uh, people like, you know, Kenan Johnson, who's Apple, the senior yeah. uh, VP now over at Interscope now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so had a chance to, you know, kind of build some relationships with them and uh, as well as doing uh, poetry. Poetry was always my love. So while I was in uh, Georgia State, my goal was to create a record label mm-hmm. of poets, you know, that wow. we're okay. saying something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, so with that, uh, things kind of came to a screeching hawk when Napster came in play. Oh, wow. So you they know, were robbing. So, they, they, yeah. this, is, this is the age of pirating music. Like, we would make mixtapes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay. man. So when Napster came around, I was like, you really ain't going to be able to t- too much to make money off of, you know, selling what's called mechanical sales and the industry mechanical sales is when mm-hmm. you actually sell a CD or a DVD or of that sort. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, well, man, what, what how can I switch this? So mm-hmm. went into managing the artist on HBO's Dell Poetry. And uh, that was during the time where we had dial up. So I said, well, when the AOL band- for the people, AOL, when, you know, for the young people, dial up. Yeah, for the that young people, internet. It, it, it used to be like you're going on the beach or something, you get a shrew, then you hear a ping, and then you online. And then you hear that you've got mail. <laughs> but it moved real so- slow. So at that time, I was like, wow, when uh, the bandwidth can restand video, like this is going to be amazing. So I had the, the, the vision or the foresight to see that then. Really? So, yeah, so I said, well, let me pivot because after, you know, we did the tour with uh, HBO Death Poetry, mm-hmm. I said, let me pivot and now get into film production. Let me learn how to record. Let me learn how to produce. And so that's what I did. So I produced a series, a poetry series called Word. I partnered with a guy who was an Emmy Award winner, and uh, we produced a series called Word. And that series had everybody from CeeLo to Professor Griff to... Big Rube to a lot of the HBO's Death Poets to last the last poets. We even went back to the older generation and got some of those poets. Oh, wow. You know, the last poets, Sonia Sanchez and those people. So, uh, Mir Baraka. And so we produced a series called Word that did pretty good. And, um, you know, now I just saw the CD on uh, on eBay for like a uh, hundred and some dollars with a wow. DVD. Wow. It was on eBay. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, so it's a collector's item now. That 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 content, mm-hmm. um, where was it distributed? It was self distributed, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, yeah, okay. so we yeah we went hand in hand with poets that were in the film. So we did mm-hmm. an affiliate deal with the poets that were in the uh, that we featured in the DVD. Mm-hmm. So they would get the DVDs wholesale, and they would sell them, you know, themselves as well. So we kind of created a network like that. I've always wanted to own the content, mm-hmm. you know, and not really just because to me. And this is a tip for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Think about this. You go create the magic. Now you put the magic in a bottle. Boom, you got the magic in this bottle. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to go give it to a distributor who's going to buy you out and now give you 12 to 15% Mm. to distribute it. Does that make sense? No. That never made sense to me. You know, so people were doing that back then. But, you know, it's about ownership. So now you can own that project. I can re-release it again. It still has, you know, if I want to breathe life back into that project, I can and make money from it. That's like uh, having like mint condition baseball cards or something like like yeah. man you own these and now over yeah. time the value as as the mm-hmm. brands of all of those, you know, um 
poets. Mm-hmm. And, and and really, man, rap Excel, is yeah. rooted in that. And now some of right? those people have yeah. made their transition. Amir Baraka yeah. has made his transition. You know, mm. some of the other poets on there have made their transition. So now yeah. those uh those the poetry, those product that product be now becomes more valuable. Wow. Perpetuity. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you find a business model and you try to find out how you can, you know, create longevity and the profits of it. Because, you know, a lot of people, they just go into it with the idea, okay, let's sell it and make the money. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you're exchanging your time for money. But when you set up the business model like Rick does, then mm-hmm. that way you can have ownership. You can re-release it 10 times and yeah. make money over and, and over again. And you can pass it to the next generation, which is most important. Legacy. You know what I'm saying? Because Assets. that's what it's all about. Pat, what what do you have now that you can pass to the next generation so that your son, your daughter doesn't have to start over at ground zero mm-hmm. like many of us had to do? Mm. So is that your because? Like why you got into entrepreneurship? Oh yeah, yeah. Well I mean, as a as a child I've always been an entrepreneur. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I had family members that, that were my age working at McDonalds, I was like I'm going to work at McDonald's. I'm not going to work at McDonald's. If if I'm going to trade my time for money, mm-hmm. then I want to make the money. I think at that time, you know, $10 an hour was big money. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to make at least $10, $12 an hour if I'm trading my time for money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I wouldn't do McDonald's. I think McDonald's at that time was like 4 or $5 an hour, somewhere around there. You can yeah, even buy a Big Mac uh, value meal, two ninety nine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, wow. one hour for a Big Mac value meal. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how many of those you sold over that that one hour, right? And they're paying you four or five dollars. Exactly. Like, man, yeah, you start to add up math. that math. That yeah. math doesn't work, and yeah. it's it's similar to the math that you just ten twelve percent mm-hmm. of the value that you're bringing to this employer, mm-hmm. right? But, one of the things that I, I've learned, man, an employer can never pay you what you're worth. Exactly. Ever. It, exactly. Like, it, 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 like in order for them to do so, they would turn no profit, mm-hmm. right? Their profit is built into, you know, the difference between what you're worth and what they actually pay you. Mm-hmm. So they put that together with all of the people that they mm-hmm. bring into this, you know, this business, mm-hmm. you know, and they turn that into profit. So... Man, I, I just find it really interesting. That's one of the main reasons to come together, you know, as, you know, business professionals. And, exactly. you know, you see that in the music industry, in the entertainment industry, and often in some of the other industries, we don't mm-hmm. come together. Like, we work separately. We get out there, we put in, especially self-employed entrepreneurs, right? Those who are in that self-employment quadrant, like, they just do work Every single wear every single hat in their business, do every single job in their business, you know, but ultimately it's almost self slavery in a way. Right. Yeah, you kind of put yourself in a place where, you know, you can't profit. Mm-hmm. You well, I mean, we're, we're, we're in the age of collaboration beats competition. Like it now does. with, you know, with the pandemic, with COVID, in order for us to really get out of this and excel, we're going to have to work together as a team like you guys partnered to do this show. Absolutely. You know, so we're going to have to do more collaborations in order to create a system mm. that we can then plug into and make money. You know, with mm-hmm. the with the cash flow quadrant, um, Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki, you're exactly. familiar with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You have the employee, you have self-employed, mm-hmm. you have the business owner, mm-hmm. and the investor. Well, most people want to be, I want to be in charge, I want to be the big CEO, want to run stuff. I'm the boss. I you know what I'm saying? Boss. I want to I run. But they don't understand that in business, it's all about creating a system. Mm. So if you want to be the CEO, but you're self-employed, meaning that you have one or three uh, employees, mm-hmm. which most of the time self-employed here is just the person themselves. Exactly. Well, business is a team sport. So in order to be a team sport, you got to create a business model. So that you can then plug people into and create a system. Mm-hmm. If you think about America, America is a system within systems. It is. So you have the American system, you have the judicial system, you have the education system, you have the criminal system. You have all of these systems because they understand that human capital is the greatest capital that we have. It is. Without human capital, you know, America would be nothing. <laughs> Without cotton, America would be nothing. So what America did was. He took the human capital 
and they had the cash crop at that time, which was cotton, which is like oil today. It was. And they had our ancestors work the fields, work the land, to now create a system to turn that cotton over. So they were selling cotton from here to France, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all these different places, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and making money. With Absolutely. the theme of creating their own legacy for their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know right. what? I, I want to highlight a couple of things that you said that just resonated with me. One, collaboration beats competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the genius of that and just even taking it back to what you did with your pilot, you know, for how you do business. You know, what was the name of the poetry? Uh, um, word. With, with Word. Yeah. Like you cre- you literally modeled that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> collaboration like it's to me it was brilliant it was actually uh preceded what a lot of uh the marketers are doing today which is collaborating on summits collaborating on you know documentaries and collaborate you see that a whole lot in the music industry exactly. where they collaborate on a project you know and That's when why they come in has has been so successful yeah because if you think about it it's all about the collaborations it is so when I make it, now I go and I collaborate with somebody who's up and coming, mm-hmm. but I see something in them that has a certain skill set. Mm-hmm. I collaborate with them, and now, boom, now that person becomes successful. Mm-hmm. If you look at Dr. Dre, what he did with Snoop Dogg. Absolutely. And now you look at the money that he's made, and mm-hmm. now you look at the money that Snoop's made. Mm-hmm. Snoop is on Corona beer commercials now, and Tostitos commercials and all kind of commercials. So now he's making money off of ad agencies. And you could take that even further from Dre to Snoop to Eminem to 50 Cent to 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 Kendrick Lamar Mm -hmm. to the game. Like all of these people. And Pop Smoke. Pop Smoke. (laughs) It just keeps it just keeps going there, you know, in terms of but in terms of the collaboration. Hey, you see it all of the time. And then with our people, mm-hmm. you know, expect when you now take it out of the music industry, exactly. take it out of entertainment, and then mm-hmm. now go to business. We think mm-hmm. we have to do it all all on our own. Like, why exactly. is that? Man, uh, like I said earlier, business is a team sport. Mm-hmm. We've been taught to be strong and independent. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, when you look at people who've actually built legacies, you look at a family name. Rothschilds, Rockefellers, DuPonts. It's a family name. Hmm. Reams and Son, you know, with construction working. So, but we've been taught to try to go out here and, and build on our own when business is a team sport. So that's actually hustling backwards because you're thinking that you can go out here and you can do this by yourself on your own. Hmm. It's almost completely different from how we were programmed and conditioned in school. It is. It's that, backwards. Because, see, in, in school, in college, they're going to teach you how to be an employee. That's the perfect mindset mm-hmm. for an employee. Well, guess what? We've, we're now coming out of the industrial age, and now we're in the, in the technology age. Mm-hmm. In the technology age, you're getting paid off of what you know, not what you can do. Information. Yeah, information sales. So now robots are going to be doing all of the manual labor work. Anything that's repetition, they can program a robot to do. Exactly. If you're flipping burgers, if you're doing fries, that's repetition. So now you can program a robot to do that. Mm-hmm. So now with the coronavirus, what has happened is we are, we're, we've been thrust into this technology and digital age. So now we're going to have to pivot. Mm. So now everybody's understanding the value of information. So you're seeing all of these podcasts come up because it's all about sharing information. It's all about doing something you love and getting paid off of it. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're in that age now to do what we love and get paid off of it now because technology has created it where we don't have to do the manual labor now. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We don't have to do manual labor. Robots can do that. Everything from you ordering something now on your computer and a drone delivering it to your front doorstep. Wow. Taking it off the shelf, everything is humanless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now you could you could take it off the shelf. I have to send you all this video called the um, – it's a video that's, that talks about 
where we are now and how robots are going to do all the work. And now we're going to get, we're going to be able to do what we love doing and make money off of it. And that's, that's a scary proposition for some people uh, because some people haven't identified their purpose. They don't know what they love doing because for so long they've had to do what they have to do. Right. Which is, man, I got to trade this time for money. I got to trade my focused attention and my body mm-hmm. and my hands to do this thing that is mindless work. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I have to do that in order to put food on the table. So especially those who, again, like all they've ever known is working for somebody else, not necessarily thinking about, you know, how to translate their what they're passionate about, what they care about, what they're good at mm-hmm. into Profit. Exactly. Well, if you look at now, I'll pose this question to you. Mm-hmm. What state do you think has the most millionaires right now? Has created the most millionaires, we'll say, in the past five to ten years? California. California. Why California? Marijuana. <laughs> that's, that's one thing, but Silicon Valley. Mm. Technology. Technology has created so many young millionaires just like that agreed so with technology technology now gives us a platform that we can share information that we can do things a lot easier so it's all about private solving the problem so in, in problem solving and technology okay this is a problem okay let's solve that problem and make that more efficient for us to do mm-hmm. that's all technology is so therefore you know and Silicon Valley is creating things like Airbnb. It's creating things like uh, PayPal. It's created things like uh, Uber. Uber and all of that. But if you look at all of those business models, what do all of those business models have in common? They don't have product. They don't have assets. Yeah. They're just yeah. They're just a, a service. medium. Yeah. They saw a problem. They don't have an inventory. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They don't they, have employees. Yeah. They just created a platform. Yeah. That that they became the bridge. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. They became the bridge. You have one group of people over here that have a vehicle not in use, right? Mm-hmm. You got a which is an asset or could be an asset to them. Mm-hmm. Not not currently in its current state. And then you have all of these people over here that need a ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they Bridge, bridge it too. They it, like the technology was the bridge. Yeah. It's bril- so that's, stuff. that's where we are now. So it's problem solving, and it's really just pivoting and you know thrusting us into uh, this entrepreneurship age, this technology yeah. age. I know you asked me earlier when I first came in, yeah. what, uh, how has uh, the coronavirus been to you? Mm. Yeah, that was it, one of the questions. It's been amazing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've opened a studio during a pandemic. Think about that. Think think about like whatever I, you've done during the pandemic. Yeah. Now now listen to this. <laughs> Eighty five hundred square foot studio in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Wow. In the middle of a pandemic. But in I the middle it. of the pandemic. Like when <laughs> when did you begin that project project? During the pandemic. Like March. Not March. Uh so I tell you the story. Okay. So my partner, Sonya Booker. Shout out to Sonya Booker. Yeah, shout out to Sonya Booker. Doing big things for a long time in there. And Robert Groover. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we were actually going to do a Black Friday event at the space. The space was currently called Bio Bio. Okay. So we had booked a guy named Corey. We had booked a space to have this event there. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus hits in March. We say, okay, well, we got to push the event back a couple of weeks, maybe. Pandemic stayed around. We got to push the event back. A month, two months. Wow. Pandemic is still here. I was like, okay, pandemic is no longer going anywhere. So that business model, Bio Bio, was based upon people gathering. So mm. having two to 300 people in a space, having an event, da 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 da. So again, it's about problem solving. Mm-hmm. So I say, have you ever considered uh, turning this space into a studio? So you're saying, say, yeah, I thought about that. So, boom, there's the problem, solve the problem. So I said, well, let's talk about partnering and turning this space into a studio. I have the film Mm -hmm. uh, expertise. You have the space. 
You know, she's the only African-American that owns two standalone buildings in the 30303 zip code. Hub zone. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's big, yo. Yeah, like, that's like, the that's, heart of downtown. That's really big. Yeah. So, uh, so with that, so we started Studio House Atlanta. Mm. Studio House Atlanta basically is a studio where you can come in, you can have your own custom created backdrop or set, come in and create content, podcasts, live streaming, actually host events. Matter of fact, uh, this weekend we're actually hosting, hosting Keys to Black Wealth, which is featuring David Banner and Two Chains and Oh man, we got to be in the some building. other people. You know, we got to be in the building. So so yeah, hey, so you guys got to be in the building. So yeah, so so with with that, you know, it's a small crowd that will be there. Okay. So it's only going to be about 40 or 50 tickets that are sold. Okay. But the event will be live streamed. So how, how does somebody access that, that live stream? So you stream. will go to keystoblackwealth.com and, and you can purchase your ticket there. Keystoblackwealth.com. Mm-hmm. Get there fast. Yeah. Make sure you purchase your ticket and tune in. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of wisdom shared. I mean, these gentlemen are, you know, some of our luminaries, especially exactly. when Business it comes men. to. Yeah. yeah been so run- we're not bringing them yeah. here to perform and do a rap song. OK, <laughs> they can go do that at the club. Exactly. We're bringing them in because guess what? These are some serious businessmen mm-hmm. that actually have viable brands. And we want to know how you did it. Mm. We also want to put you in the room with this person so that you can now network with this person as well. hmm. Important stuff, man. It, really important stuff. It's amazing, man. You know, you're taking. I mean, we we believe that behavior is belief in action, mm-hmm. right? So we can look at your behaviors and say, man, you you have strong belief in your capabilities to create, to identify uh, needs, to identify problems, and to apply solutions to those problems. And I mean that, like. These principles, these beliefs, I mean, guys, it's not new. It's nothing new under the sun. You can go back to if you haven't read Black Titan, if you haven't read uh, Building Atlanta, uh, these are iconic books um, from black business leaders. And they talk about this like business, like success, a successful business is built on the needs of the people. And you've identified these needs. You've identified a community worth of creators, right? That need a space, that need a place mm-hmm. to 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 create, to, to record, to you know, uh, to show off the results of their work. And now you've created that that place for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yes. that's a that's a major key, guys. Like, if you haven't gotten that point. You know, a lot of us, we build businesses based off of, hey, I got this great idea. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm so nah, great. You need to, I did that when I was young. I was like, I got this idea <laughs> to be a poet and create this poet label. Yeah. You have to go solve a problem. There we go. That's what it's about. So if you look at the pandemic, like we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. I said the pandemic will create three type of people. During this pandemic, there will be three type of people that will be created. What are those, Rick? Millionaires, billionaires, and bystanders. Mm. Which one of those will you be? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Which one of those will you be? Mm-hmm. I plan to be a millionaire off. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm you saying. Know? So absolutely. So yeah. So that's that's how you have to really look at it. I mean, because at the end of the day, money is energy. Mm-hmm. One thing about energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. Mm. It simply transfers, right? Mm-hmm. So wealth is energy, is money. So how is this money being transferred? Because it's not like, okay, the money is being depleted or they are deleting, you know, uh, the, the the gross money that, that is circulated every year. I think right now America is, what, uh, $17 trillion every year? Every single year. And that's going up. So where's that 17 trillion going? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. So most people think during a pandemic that, you know, uh that the 17 trillion will go from 17 trillion to 10 trillion. That's the fear. Oh, we're in a pandemic. 
There's no money. The money is drying up. Fear of lack. <laughs> exactly. Fear of lack. It's a sketch. That's a scarcity, uh, scarcity mentality. There we go. So mm-hmm. the thing that you have to look at is where are the opportunities? Where's this money now flowing to? Mm-hmm. And then you have to create a net to catch that money or that energy in the route that is taken now. Mm-hmm. A bucket to catch that water because it's all currency at the end of the day. Like, I have an idea. I share it with you. Either we can collaborate, you can take that idea, or I can take the idea and run with it. But, you know, the strength is in numbers. And now more than ever, like, you look on the back of a dollar bill, you see the pyramid, right? The base of the pyramid is becoming stronger and more wealthier because of the amount of knowledge that's just flowing out here. It's literally all over the Internet. The platform like this for Game Changers is is basically creating a lane for people to get information that will change their lives and be able to allow them to collaborate in a more efficient and effective manner. This man just basically said, look, you're going to either stay on the stand on the sidelines, become a millionaire or a billionaire. Well, look, we're going to all become millionaires and billionaires on this show because we're collaborating. We're sharing ideas. We're sharing thoughts and we're figuring out how to solve problems. And one of my favorite rappers of all time, Jay-Z, says, man, you got to get together like a choir to acquire what you desire. What? (laughs) Love that line, boy. Facts. Big facts. Love it. Get together like a choir. Mm -hmm. Get together in harmony, Mm -hmm. in unison. Like get on the same sheet of music. Like there was so much to unpack just even in in that line in and of itself. You know, collaboration is uh, is key. It, It really is. And, you know, just because somebody has something over there, and you look at it and you say, man, you know, man, that's a great studio, Miss Booker. I like it. You know, it's great, man. You know, we want to book this. He was spending money with Miss Booker. Mm-hmm. And then out of, like out of that, mm-hmm. right, out of sharing that. And there were plenty of other spots, plenty of other locations. But you spending money with our people and you notice a need that was there that arrived. it wasn't there when you. When you walked into the door, uh, I mean, it? when you see the space, how it was prior and what it is now, like when well, you, you can see some of in, her videos. Yeah. When you walked into the space, mm-hmm. then it was a gold ceiling mm-hmm. and it was wow. nice couches and furniture everywhere. Yeah. When you walk in there now, everything is white. It looked like a real estate agent's yeah. office, didn't it? Well, like, well in there, before, yeah, it looked it kinda, more, um, I mean, they had a woman audience, so it was yeah. more feminine, like it was feminine energy when you walked in there. Yeah, but now it's you know everything is white. So We're giving a you a blank canvas to create your world. You know the pillows are. Imagine create and monetize. Mm. For so long we've been imagining, we've been creating, but we haven't been monetizing like we should. Right. But now we can take that product, this creative product, like what you're creating, mm-hmm. and take it directly to the consumer mm-hmm. and monetize off of it. Exactly. Exactly. So, man, let's let's use this time right here, man, to to pivot a little bit into Black Friday, too, and hear more about, you know, what it's all about, man, and your plans for it and, uh, you know, the impact that you envision it having. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we created a film series called the Black Friday Film Series, Mm -hmm. and it create is uh, features people like the creative young man there, Ross Dixon. (laughs) Hold on. This man is in there. Oh, man. Yeah, he's actually yeah. We were we were hiking to the top of a pyramid in Mexico. We were in Cabo. Wow! And uh, you know something real amazing happened that day when we got to the top of the pyramid. You want to share what happened, Ross? If I say it, they wouldn't believe it. So we got to the top <laughs> of the mountain, and we're just talking about you know living, 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 and leaving a legacy. Hmm. Then behind us, a rainbow appears. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So it's God, not, I ain't no God showed up. The sun is shining. It's so God showed up. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah, we have a, I'll share the picture online. It, it yeah. was incredible, man. We were, um, wow. Just basically, you know, going there and just to be in that environment when you've seen all of that, you know, ancient architecture. I mean, I swear they had a stadium with a basketball hoop and the basketball hoops are sideways. But if you ever go and check this out, literally 
basketball was not created by John Nasmith. It was created in Mexico. <laughs> they actually have arenas. They have um, stadiums. I mean, there's bleachers on the side. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just mm-hmm. tapping into that energy, like, yeah, actual rainbow disappeared while we were basically So it was like sharing. Aztec? I'll let Rick go a little yeah, bit I think Yeah, I think it was the Aztec that, that were there. Yeah. And yeah. that built that. But, you know, at the end of the day, those are – Melanated people that look like me and you. Absolutely. You see the statues. You, you know, can see the yeah, reflection. You see, yeah, the features, facial features and all of that. So so what was the symbolism in going there specifically? Man, so with this in, in Black Friday, too. So Black Friday, let's give you a real some back history on Black Friday film series. Please. So Black Friday film series is a solution-based film series that deals with how we value a dollar and the importance of leaving a legacy for the next generation. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we leave uh, a legacy for the next generation. But most people, when you think of legacy, you think of just a financial legacy. Well, you also need to have an ethical legacy. Mm. So you need to have the financial as well as the ethical, because that's ethical being your history, knowing who you are, knowing your morals, knowing your values in that thing. So that's that gives you two legs to stand on, two mm-hmm. legs, part of legacy, now you're upright being. Wow. Now you can move forward in society. Wow, that's really powerful. That's so, a major key. Yeah. So with that, you know, I wanted to show Black Friday 2 was called the Living Legacy World 2. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to show our history and what we had done all over the world. So that was one of the destination spots that we went to. We went to Copa, Mexico. We went to Barcelona, Spain, and traveled to Montserrat where you can see the black Madonna and you see people standing in line literally for four to six to eight hours to pay homage to the dark skin black Madonna. Mm. We went to South Africa. We went to Ghana. So we traveled to all of these places because I wanted people to see our history and understand our legacy. A lot of our history and our legacy had been whitewashed had been a blip purposefully destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watched a documentary and man, again, I, I love watching documentaries mm-hmm. and learning something that I didn't know before, mm-hmm. especially about my history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was about the Moors mm-hmm. and how the Moors ruled Spain. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. The Moors that, were, were travelers. I mean, they traveled all over the, the continent, which is why, you know, I wanted to travel and, and show that in Black mm-hmm. Friday Part 2. Mm-hmm. So I traveled and, and showed that, hey, we have a legacy all over the world. Mm. You know, our legacy isn't just here in America. We were actually here in America before the so-called slave ships came to America. We were in North America. We were in South America. And there's evidence in pyramids that were left behind to show that. So there, there there's actually, you know, a story um, about Mansa Musa. And about his uncle ruling Mali prior mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. and his uncle decided that he wanted to he wanted to pack up the, the ships. Mm-hmm. He wanted to explore. Okay. So he packed up the ships. Mm-hmm. You know, he passed the crown to, to Mansa young Mansa Musa, Musa mm-hmm. and he went. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> there was a lot of fear around you know ships traveling like they didn't know much about what was out there you know you, they may have like literally sailed off the end of the the the, the world they didn't yeah, know they the whether it was, was round flat. or flat yeah. or like whatever mm-hmm. right so he went and you know at some point one of the ships turned back mm-hmm. and came back and gave the report that you know all of the ships were lost however artifacts were found in America in Brazil in like in, in in South America that was evidence. I mean this this material it had to the gold, the resources came from nowhere else but Africa. Mm-hmm. And see the thing is, right, so if you back up a minute mm-hmm. and you and I just said like in order to create a legacy, you need two legs to stand on. Mm-hmm. You need your financial legacy, you need your ethical legacy. Mm-hmm. Well Somebody may say, well, at the end of the day, all I want to do is get to the money, Rick. I don't care about an ethical <laughs> legacy, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, well, let me help you understand or share with you why you should understand 
the ethical part of the legacy. Because if you look at how America was built, America mm-hmm. right now is the financial capital of the world. It is. What is the uh, epicenter of the financial capital of America? What would you say the epicenter is? Wall Street. Wall Street. Okay. Hands let's, look at, let's look at Wall Street. When you look at Wall Street, what was the first stock sold on Wall Street? Human capital. Human beings. We were. Are you serious? We were the live stock, which is where that word came from. Oh, my That goodness. was sold and traded on Wall Street. Really? Yeah. I had no idea of that. So what was the bond? So you have stocks and you have bonds. The bond was, back then, if you were a slave master, and you say, hey, I got... 500 slaves. I want to come here and get a loan so I can go buy 200 more slaves. Okay, your bond, which is word is bond, was that you had 500 slaves. You couldn't march 500 down to Wall Street and say, hey, it's my 500 slaves. I'm going to get a loan on these 500. Mm-hmm. No, you had to state. And, you know, it was some trust and then some verification that went to through uh, to that mm-hmm. but that's where the term stocks and bonds came from oh my gosh they actually still have chambers beneath the streets of wall street where they would keep some of the enslaved i enslaved ancestors who were slaves in these chambers that are located below wall street wow and that's where the term wall street the name comes from Wow. Because when our ancestors, believe it or not, New York was a larger slave port than Charleston, South Carolina, which is listed as the number one slave port in America. But New York imported so many slaves that they didn't keep proper records, so that's why they say Charleston, Mm -hmm. South Carolina is, because later on that's when they started keeping record. But New York was the number one slave port. Our ancestors who came here that wasn't already here would come in through that port and be ushered in and they built a wall because they didn't want to see the filth. They didn't want to smell the stench of our ancestors. And that's where Wall Street came from. that's where the term Wall Street came from. So now if you go to Wall Street, you can still see the posts that are in the cobblestone road, which shows where the wall was erected in the middle of the street. So you see some of this in Black Friday Part 2. Wow. But not only that, to the young people to say, hey, I just want to get to the money, you got to understand that everything in America was built on the backs of our ancestors. So if you really want to get to the money, not Mm -hmm. the nickels and dimes, then you'll understand that everything is built off of us and everything is relate dealing with money relates to us. So once you really understand business, then you can really do business and make billions of dollars. Like, now that's really getting to the money. So mm-hmm. the thing when I say it's built off of us, if you look at being in the black and being in the red, right? Mm-hmm. When money is green, why is it called being in the black and being in the red? Why isn't it called, if you got money, why isn't it called being in the green and being in the orange or being in the white? If I had to guess, it has something to do with blood. It has something to do with blood. You're a smart man. So, mm-hmm. Anthony Browder, you can look up. He wrote The Browder Files. He's a Egyptian. Uh, he's a famous uh, excavationist. He's done excavations in Egypt. But he's a, he's a very known, well-known historian. So, mm-hmm. this is the people that are listening. When you do your homework and you research this stuff, then it adds up. So, going back to being in the black and being in the red. If you had healthy slaves that did not revoke, you were in the black. If you had to kill your slaves because they were trying to revoke, you had blood on your hands, so you were in the red. So that's where being in the black and being in the red comes from. So the legacy that was being left had nothing to do with ethics when they were thinking about this in the past. But it's important for us to leave a legacy of ethics because at the end of the day, when they change and turn the pages in the book, they'll say, hey, these guys actually did it the right way. 
Exactly. But not only that, <laughs> there's something called the law of karma. So everything that they did unethically, they're going to have to harvest that seed that was planted. Mm. So that's why everything is turning now, and you're seeing, you know, Black Lives Matter and da 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 da, because that harvest is coming to fruition, and it's going to come a day soon where that crop is going to have to be harvested that mm -hmm. has been planted. Wow. So that's why you have to understand the ethical part. So then you understand your place, you understand your story, you understand your narrative, you understand where you are in this thing called life. Mm -hmm. You're not just chasing superficial things, things that really doesn't have intrinsic value, but things that really have a monetary value or ethical value. Agreed. I mean, man, I, like my mind is blown over here at that, at that, you know, that lesson, the history behind it and, you know, the meaning behind some of these things that we use on a day to day basis. And again, don't know where they originally came from. You know, one of the things that, you know, for me is understanding etymology, the original meaning of a thing, like with the source of it and going to the source and man, like the etymology of Wall Street, <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, yeah, you I know. Mean, and they like, still have like some of the restaurants that they attended. They still have like the Mill House, where yeah. you know the actual slave auctions took place. Yeah, like, they still have some of that stuff there. They have a a stake uh, plaque that's there that says, "Hey, this was a slave port and da 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 year, and yeah. this took place." Yeah, like it's and this is all documented. Yeah, like documented you, in the yeah. film. Yeah. So some people forget that here, even here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. uh, there was a slave block right off of Peachtree Street, mm -hmm. right off of Peachtree Street, right, right near uh, Auburn Ave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there was a slave block like there. That, that That's where here in Atlanta, <laughs> the slaves that came here, they were auctioned so, off. Mm -hmm. They were sold from from there. You know, like we we for, sometimes we forget we forget where we came from. We forget what was done. You know, we forget, you know, the because. And, you know, there's a because behind this. There's a reason for doing it. But I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, the ethics and you know, I, 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 I rarely find when I look into the businesses that we start, that people purposefully create values, you know, a set of beliefs that they, um, you know, that they hold to be true as a as a collective. It, like, is it important that the companies that we create define those things yeah, in terms of the, the legacy that they leave? Yeah. And those are typically the companies that uh, generally have longevity, mm -hmm. the ones that are built with solid foundations, principles and morals. You know, those are the ones that, you know, last through the test of time. Mm. So question, Rick, for all of those people that are interested in starting um, in the film industry and creating their own documentary, what's a growth hack for um, accessing capital? Man, it's <laughs> funny that you would say that. Uh, I mean, we just met with a, um, a gentleman now that is uh, has some hedge funds and things of that sort to uh to finance films. So um when you say a growth hack, you mean like how do they go find the money or how do they well, I guess a prepare a package in that they could package something to then have the money find them. Because once you create the right package, the money will find you. Well, I mean, when you talk, I mean, you can sense mm -hmm. you have a way about of going things like your behavior reflects you know what you believe in so yeah yeah hit on that <laughs> so <laughs> so if you're looking to right. have a film so say you have an idea right mm -hmm. and you want to finance a film you know and this is free game right here normally i charge you know a consultation fee for this uh -oh. you know for a two-hour okay. consultation and you guys pay attention but, uh, man, before game changers <laughs> hashtag free game you heard it here first but this is what you want to do so say you have an idea so you have to take that idea First step is to put that idea on paper. So you first have to start with the script because now 
Once you take that idea from an idea to a script, now that becomes IP. That becomes intellectual property. Protectable. Which is insurable. Yeah, because you can't protect ideas. Ideas cannot be copyrighted. Important to know, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot. He stole my idea. Your idea was not protectable. Exactly. It was not in a form that could be protected according to the laws of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And I, whatever state you're in. You know, I get people that come to me and say, hey, man, I got this idea for a film. And my first question is, well, have you written it down? No, nah, man, I got it in my head. I know what to do. I know how it's going to flow. I say, well, how am I going to share that with an investor and share that with the rest of my team? Your ideas. How can I take your thoughts in your head and share that? Well, we just create, we just have a meeting and I, and I can share it with them then. Okay, well, how can they then take those ideas that you shared with them to somebody else to bring to be a part of this project. I say what you have to do, you have to put that idea on paper to then become an IP. Mm-hmm. So now once you do that, then that project starts to take life and, and shape and form. The next thing you want to do is if you're looking for investors, you want to secure a director that has a notable name. Mm. You want to secure a producer that has a notable name. You want to secure at least three cast members that have notable names. So now that idea. And, and what is a cast member? Cast, 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 cast members. Yeah, so cast, cast members. members. Okay, yeah, gotcha. You know, I'm from the country, so, you know. <laughs> my dialect is off a West little bit. West side of So cast. Yeah, okay. West side ATL, Adelsville to be exact. Yeah, I was trying to get to the uh, cash, man. I was trying so, to get yeah. to the cash. So cast. No, cast so members. So a cast member, so an A-list gotcha. cast member. Mm-hmm. So once you have um, letters of intent, you know, from these people, now that script that you've written mm-hmm. now has something else attached to it. So now that becomes valuable now. Mm. So now people will find you if that script is A1, cast members are A1, the director, the producer. If those four things are A1, mm-hmm. now we got something to work with. So do you need to have um, an idea in mind on how it's going to be marketed or distributed, how it would Distrib- turn yeah, distribution. Yeah, distribution is very key, too. So that's mm-hmm. the last, That's what I was getting ready to get to. You're a smart man because that's oh, what they want to see. Okay, once you create the product, mm-hmm. now how... What's my return on investment? What's my you know ROI, return on investment? So now you need to have also a letter of commitment from the distrib- the uh, distribution source or company that you plan on taking this film and once it's produced to. Mm-hmm. Question. So now you can see how the money will be generated. Professor, is there any... Uh because I hear like Master P on the um, drink champs and all of that. Are there any black owned distribution companies for films? Not right now. Not right now. Okay. But here's the thing. The good thing about film. I mean, you have, I will, I'll take that back. There isn't any that has a proven track record of a great success. Digital distribution. Like you have, you know, some mom and pop distribution who's, you know, made, you know, a couple million dollars or, you know, Things like that. Mm-hmm. But you don't really have any that's on the level of a Lionsgate. It's on the level of a Universal. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were there were people that have tried to get together to create those distribution businesses or models. Mm-hmm. But there's been threats made on their life and their families and things like that. Oh, because people understand the power. The people who are in place and that have those distribution models... They understand the power of distribution. Master P would not have been able to make the money he made had he went in and took that magic potion. Remember the magic potion we talked about earlier? And say, hey, give me a record deal. Million dollars. Okay, I'm going to give you a record deal for a million dollars. You give me the magic potion. Mm -hmm. And now they go and make 20 million, 50 million off of the magic potion that you've taken to them. So what he did when he sat down with a smart attorney that shared the game with him, mm-hmm. he said, you want to control your, you want to own your content. 
You want to be able to control how much content is released. You want to be able to control from ideation to distribution. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't buy a, a distribution. You know, he didn't have enough money f- to create a distribution outlet. So what he did was he said, I don't want any upfront money. I just want you to distribute my product. I'm going to print it. I'm going to market it. I'm going to do all of that. So therefore, you don't have any recoupable costs, which is mm-hmm. where they rape you on the recoups. So now I don't have those recoupable costs. I think the deal was you get 20, I get 80%. Mm-hmm. You get 20%, I get 80%. Mm-hmm. All I want you to do is put my records on the shelf through your distribution outlet. And it was like, oh, man, he he must be crazy. He don't really know, <laughs> you know, okay, we'll do the deal. So they did that deal, and that's how he made all that money. Because they you had to pay think, them too, though. Yeah. They didn't think he had a product, and they thought they were just getting over on him. When he had the product, because the thing about Master P, he started with marketing in mind first. That's the first thing during my consultations. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I share with people. Start with marketing in mind first. Know your customer. Know who's consuming your product. Mm-hmm. So what he did, he went to the smaller markets, and he shouted out those smaller markets in his song. Yeah. So that's why he would name he'll the really, cities. He, you he, see what I'm saying? He'll name every yeah. city that he ever toured in. That's marketing. <laughs> it is. He was ingenious to do that. Really? So he knew his customer. He knew his consumers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're creating, we're dictating the trends of the world through our music, through fashion, through film. But we're not reaping the benefit on the back end in terms of the capital that's generated from those particular things. So now we're getting smarter, and now we're in an age where it's digital, so now we can now capitalize more so on that. Direct. Yeah. You know, the, the distribution models have changed. I mean, people literally have small, you know, movie theater like platforms on YouTube, Mm -hmm. right? On Facebook, on Instagram, like they have audience, they have Mm -hmm. focused attention. And, you know, if you didn't know one of the currencies, right? One of the things that people uh, convert into profit is your focused attention. Mm -hmm. So man, be careful where you are placing your focused attention. And right now we're giving it freely to people who haven't earned it, don't deserve it. And there is no return on investment for my focused Time attention spent on Instagram, Facebook. What's the At new documentary all. that's out on, um, social. On yeah, I saw that. Social dilemma. Is social dilemma. Yeah, indeed. I need to go watch that because go that's, check that that's out. real. Yeah. So now you're not getting a return on investment, you know? So with me, I'll, I'll surf IG for a minute you know, I normally do it at night when, you know, I'm going to sleep if I have some time, if I'm not, like, researching on something. But the thing that you want to do is you want to find that niche market. Now it doesn't take as many people now because you can go direct to consumer and all of the middle guys are cut out. So now you can create a captivated audience of 10,000, of 100,000 people and generate income from that captivated audience. So now how do you have a captivated audience that is now is financially supporting you. Mm-hmm. The way you do that is by having a laser beam target on what your product is. You want to go an inch wide and a mile deep. Mm. Inch hear, wide. Hear that, guys. Hear that. Mile deep. Man, we spread ourselves so thin, man. And that is a, we got so. I, I, give, like, you a, I give you a prime example. You look at Slutty Vegan. Mm. Only thing she sells is hamburger and fries. Now, you can get it dressed a little different, Mm -hmm. but hamburger and fries, and it's vegan. Mm. But she's making millions of dollars right now. Millions. Going inch wide, mile deep. That's the new business model. Inch wide, mile deep. Man. It would, like we could ride off into the sunset with that one. <laughs> you got to pull back the layers. And that's the same thing when you're Indeed. writing the script or you're creating a film project. Yeah. You don't want to be all over the place talking about this subject, that subject, this subject. Nah. I'll give you an example of somebody who does that very well in the film industry. Who's that? Tyler Perry. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice Cube did 
Friday. That was one of his biggest films. Mm-hmm. He did it all. Every day was Friday. You did. It was only one day that the film took place. So now you don't have to do set change. You don't have to do wardrobe change. It's the same day. That was brilliant. He just pulled back the layers on Friday. That was really brilliant. You see what I'm saying? That was really brilliant. And named it Friday. Next Friday, Friday after next. It's <laughs> <laughs> why Mile Deep. He kept pulling back the layers. Mile so, Deep. Yeah. System. Well, ladies and gentlemen, man, man, you've been blessed today by by Rick Mathis, four game changers. You know, man, I'm 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 amazed at you know the depth, the knowledge, the 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 wisdom that you have. And I know we haven't even literally scratch the surface you know with how far this can go and um i encourage everybody out there to check out the black friday series make sure you lock in you know make sure that that you follow rick mathis where, where do they find you and like how do they get you so you can follow me at rick mathis that's rick without the k mm-hmm. r-i-c we don't need the k we can use the k to spell words like king and other stuff like there that. we go but it's Rick Mathis, and you can also follow me on IG at Black Friday Film Series. And one more time, the web address for the event that's happening pretty soon. Keys to Black Wealth, which is this weekend, uh, October 17th and 18th. Keys to BlackWealth.com. Keys to BlackWealth.com. T-O. Keys to BlackWealth.com. So, man, we're about to ride out. Ross, how do yeah. they find us? So, yeah, if you go on uh, Instagram, you can search us at four underscore game changers and then also check us out online at uh, four gamechangers.com. Again, that's four gamechangers.com. And we'll be back to you to bless you with some more information next week. Yeah. And give a shout out to these brothers for doing their thing, man. Game changers. Four yes, game sir. changers. <laughs>